Test. Okay, I think we're live. Test, test. Clear our throats and get started here. Are we taping right now? We are taping right now. We put liquid paper on a bee and it died. <laughs> Did you actually prepare like a topics list for us? Mm-hmm. How come I don't have it? Because I'm in charge. Please let the record show that Tony failed. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about some stuff. Crack some brews open. Yeah. Yeah, it's Friday. No. That was me and my orange water. Let the record show, Tony did not open a beer. He, in fact, opened a San Pellegrino orange Orange flavor. sparkling water. Yeah. It's the um, opposite of manly. Yeah, it's the opposite of beer. Okay, so um, we're going to start out uh, and say welcome to the first ever Tech Kings podcast. Uh, maybe the last Tech Kings podcast, who knows? Quite possibly. This is completely an experiment. Um, but from listening to podcasts, what you're supposed to do is like welcome people and say, this is our podcast number one for the week of November. Uh, it's actually December. It's December. So, so we're getting started off on a terrible foot. Yeah, we don't even know what month it is. Actually, um, you don't. Welcome to the month of December for podcasting for Tech Kings. Maybe this will be played in December. Episode one. Episode one. Season one. Season one. Series one. Right. Um, so the first thing we want to talk about is um, is the intro to our podcast. Who are we? Why are we doing this? And what can you expect? Very philosophical question. Yes. So who are we? We are the IT team for Airfoil Public Relations or Airfoil Group. Um, it's our job to make sure that everything works here all the time, literally all the time. And so I think what the point of this is to kind of give people an inside view on what goes inside, what goes on in the, in the heads of IT guys. It's kind of a, you know, a, this, like the secret world of bees. This is the secret world of IT guys. And, you know, we'll try to be as blatant and um, entertaining as possible. With a focus on entertaining. Right. It's um, basically, if you've ever wanted to, to be inside the head of your IT person that works you know, on site at your location, we're going to help give you that perspective, for better or for worse. Right. So we'll talk about the things that we think about, um, have some of the conversations, which we've been told from multiple sources are quite entertaining. Um, <clears throat> Talk about vis-a-vis, we're hysterical. Exactly. Um, but we've worked together for nearly six years um, and have a combined probably close to 20 years of IT experience between the two of us. Um, we're very different. <laughs> we are the, the odd couple, as they say. The yin and the yang. Exactly. And that makes us... Um, the Laverne and Shirley. Yes, you're definitely Shirley. <laughs> she had better hair. That's true. <laughs> and Shirley um, was the smaller one, right? I don't know. Okay. We'll I, go with that. I, I don't know. That's Just kinda, for the record, I'm the smaller t- one. He's the smaller one. I'm the larger one. I'm, uh, I'm the, the, the gadget guy, the, the deep diver into all the features, the what, what else can this thing do, and, and oh, that's cool, I didn't know it could do that guy. And I'm the guy that, that focuses on strategy and business outcomes and trying to make money with that technology. But we need each other. 
Um, <laughs> we do. It's yeah. a it's a it's a matrimony of of philosophies and vision, and so I think we we do a great job at at balancing one another out, and we know exactly who who we are, and it really helps when we are designing strategies and planning deployments and looking at at implementations and technologies that could materially impact the organization. And if we if we came in at just from the the one side, um, you know, we, we probably wouldn't be as successful as, as we have been. Mm-hmm. We're peanut butter and jelly. I'm definitely the peanut butter. So it is peanut butter jelly time. It is peanut butter jelly time. Um, there will be lots of references to things that you may or may not understand. We probably won't explain most of them. Um, so... Hopefully, over time, you know, we're kind of an acquired taste. <laughs> over time, our humor will make more sense. Um, and there are so many inside jokes that there inside jokes have inside jokes. And feel free, feel free to to, to tweet or direct message us uh, if you want more insight into what a particular joke or scenario is. We'll be happy to explain. There's we have we have six years of history, and we both have, uh, I will say, an interesting sense of humor. Yes. It borders on juvenile, jejune perhaps, but uh, definitely funny. We are very polarizing, so most likely you'll either really enjoy what we have to say um, and either completely disagree or completely agree. So, 50% of you probably hate us at this point. Yeah, already. 60% of you will hate us 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a pretty short list for our first, our first podcast here. Um, the first thing that... I thought of to talk about is um, ecosystems. I mean, we're we're at a, a really really important inflection point, I think, in in the marketplace for gadgets, um, whether it be smartphones, tablets, uh, laptops, or home PCs, um, where we're kind of people are having to take sides. And I think you know traditionally, before everything was connected. Um, by the internet, you could, you know, take piecemeal from all of the different companies and put together a solution that worked for you rather well. But now, with um, everything being so integrated, you kind of have to choose a side. You kind of have to pick a a number one company or or brand that you're going to be faithful to in order to get everything to work without having to jump over lots and lots of, of, of hurdles. And that's really just been a fact of, you know, the density of technology in, a, in our daily lives. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that every one of us now, almost every one of us, has a smartphone and a tablet and a laptop and a, and a work PC and a home PC, as well as the variety of other devices like e-readers. And, you know, it used to be that you thought of those devices as independent of one another and over time, as your, as your expectation of technology has changed, so has the integration of those devices, as well as the perceived notion that those should talk to each other. And that's dramatically changed the expectation people have when they're at work for the technology that they have. The expectation that we have, or the implications that we have when you know, we are deploying or designing technical solutions to be able to support business operations. Mm-hmm. So I thought one of the ways we could kind of cut these 
ecosystems into different groups. Um, I've got a couple of uh, kind of ways we can divide them into groups. The first one is open and closed. Um, I think probably the ecosystems we're talking mostly about are um, those surrounding Microsoft, Apple, Google, um, Cisco. Cisco. Um, I think some of the other players would, of course, be Amazon. And to a, a certain degree, you know, you know, Facebook is starting to, to take a role in that. Um, but you've got your your more open systems, and and you've got your closed systems. And I think a perfect example of that is is the App Store. Um, Apple having the first App Store kind of set up a, a, a kind of a benchmark, and and the different companies have taken. Um, kind of split off from that. You've got Apple is a is a closed, a very closed, very secretive. Who knows how what the process is exactly for for getting apps approved? How long it'll take? Highly um, governed. Yeah, and and I and I think that um, that has its advantages. But then you look at something like um, Google, for example, the wild. I like to call it the wild, wild west of of apps. I, I'm not, you know, I haven't really um, gone too deep into that. Uh, ecosystem, but I have played with a few different tablets and a few different smartphones, and and um, you know, there's there's access there. I mean, if I wanted to put an app in the App Store, you know, it would be not nearly as difficult as as signing up and getting something published through Apple. Um, and then you've got Microsoft, <clears throat> which they have something that's you know, kind of in between, I think. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. But so let's let's talk about pros and cons. Um, you know, if you've got a closed system, it's it's more secure. Um, it's uh, it's more um, controllable. You know, you can control what what branding or what experience goes along with your product. Um, it also ensures fidelity mm -hmm. across your experience. So you know, you can expect that things will operate. Pretty consistently, uh, day in and day out, or situation to situation, so you don't have to necessarily worry that uh, you know one component or one configuration or one feature may have a negative impact on the other. Because part of being a closed system is that most of those are are QA'd and, and tested out of out of the software or the system to ensure that you have the best experience possible. Mm -hmm. But on the downside, you know, you've got an, a stifling of innovation going on. Because people can't just try things out, and you don't really get a, I don't feel like a, a, a true response from what the needs or what the, the wants of your audience are. Um, because, you know, it's not an open market. It's not a free market. People aren't free to, to buy an app that they want if it's not available. And so, <clears throat> you know, I think that, that Apple has, by closing that hole, by, by not allowing side loading, um, you know, they open themselves up to to jailbreaking. I mean, that's a direct response to having a closed system. Yeah. And I mean, it's a one-to-many relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, they are operating in a closed model or a closed ecosystem so that they can cast the widest net possible. And, and you know, doing so means that you have an entire user base that now, a larger user base that now has access to your products and services at a little more intimate level, whereas, you know, the open ecosystems definitely require uh, a technical acumen and a background to be able to to operate against them you know so the the obviously the benefit of close is that 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 experience is you know it's governed for you but on the back end you know once you outgrow it 
once you outgrow that closed ecosystem, it becomes very difficult, and you have um, oftentimes high opportunity and high switching costs that are associated with it because you've been so embedded, and that may force you to even stifle your own innovation in order to fit within that ecosystem again. Yeah, I think we've seen that with um, you know the rise of Android. I would say that the rise of Android... For the, for the people I know who have chosen Android, it's a direct response to the limitations placed on them. It's, um, you know, if there's a new feature, something new that someone's figured out how to do on a smartphone, you have to wait until Apple says it's okay to have it. And I think that, you know, when you, when you look at it in, in that way, um, Apple is in danger of losing that kind of, you know, lead, pack dog, front of the race, Mentality of being able to be a leader in technology when they were the only one with an app store, and and of course they were in front. But yeah. but now everybody has an app store. Well, and I would say too that their base used to be more cutting edge and bleeding edge technologists. Um, you know, developers obviously are still that, but you know, you had people who were using Apple products in a way that no one else was, and I think their base has completely shifted and turned on its head that. You know, now the base of their users are people who don't have a technical background or really do understand what they're using, you know, what, what truly is, is being used in, you know, behind the scenes for the technology. And so, you know, all of those other people who are looking for, you know, high customization, high configurability, as well as being able to talk to different operating systems, um, you know, they're all migrating they're all migrating to other platforms and other places to be able to continue the, you know, the the progression that they're looking for. And I think that's evident in the features we see um, in the hardware, right? Because there's such a limited, um, you know, hardware base compared to maybe Android. Uh, you know, I, I know personally when the last when the iPhone five came out, you know, I was hoping for NFC. I was hoping for. Um, you know, of wireless charging and and some something something really to distinguish. But you, you know, still stood in line for it. I did. I did. You took I'll a day admit. off a of PTO. I'd like the record to show that <laughs> Tony took a full day of PTO to go get his iPhone five. <laughs> hey, I didn't want to wait. But um, you know, I'm I'm one of those people that I'm deep in the ecosystem, and it's it's hard for me to turn around and go the other way. Um, but I'm. You know, a little more reluctant when when there are no surprises, when there's really nothing cool, nothing unexpected, when six months before a phone comes out, you know exactly what it's going to look like um, and exactly what it's going to be. That's not exciting anymore. But there's still value to it. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think that's one of the, that that to me is one of the areas that Microsoft doesn't get a lot of credit for because of their Windows operating ecosystem, you know. Because of the things that they did in the 90s and even the early 2000s, you know, that's why we have the computing experience that we do today. That's why we can rely on our laptop booting up the majority of the time um, and not having issues and not impacting our productivity to that scale. And, you know, that's part, you know, that's one of the longer term benefits of having some closed ecosystem for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I, But I do think that it's important for brands and and you know technical companies like Apple and Microsoft have a roadmap for how you know they can control those technologies in the front end and you know continue to innovate 
but then but then have a roadmap for how they open up and how they get dispersed into the greater the greater audience of the larger ecosystem that is just technology in general. Yeah, if I was Tim Cook, if I was in charge of of, of the iPhone, I think I would start to uh, maybe fragment the platform a little bit. Um, you know, it's great that they've been able to use their their older phones as kind of their B and C class models, uh, so they have a, a lower price point. But what I'd love to see them do is, you know, come out with the iPhone 6 that'll be slightly better than the iPhone 5, that'll be very predictable, but have something else. Have something that that you know is an experiment that is a little more expensive right. that's not going to be as popular that's got some of that cool that the original couple of iPhones had that was like wow that I don't see anywhere else and then you know if those features are great if people love them incorporate them into the the iPhone 7 but have this like iPhone X that sits out front that something it's, for the early adopters it's yeah it's the it's the delineation between the mass market the, the, the non-technical everyday user, you know, now our moms and dads have iPhones, mm-hmm. um, versus the, the, the technical person or someone who is on the bleeding edge of what could I make this device do or what could I make the software that sits on this device do because that's where, that's really where the innovation is going to come from and, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you continue with the same model uh, of execution and the same strategy, you're gonna you're gonna alienate those people who are looking to do innovative things that are now going to be forced to do it, you know, sort of black box style and you know jailbreak the phone. That you know, once you do that, Apple's very unlikely to, you know, in, in really in a short time, um, you know, approve those types of activities and then make that part of the more, you know, accessible or or the just a general product um, moving forward. What I like is I like what what Windows 8 has become. Um, I think it's cool that Microsoft has done a great job of setting minimum specs for their hardware. They have a minimal amount of of variation in you know in in the actual hardware, but it still allows me to choose from you know a Lumia 920 with uh, in inductive charging and NFC and a gigantic screen, huge colors to choose from, you know, a special camera, all that cool stuff. Or if I want, I can go down to, uh, you know, like the 820 or, right. or, you know, whatever the 800. Or even some of the lower model HTCs. Or Samsungs. Right. You know, I've got, a, I've got a much larger swath of hardware to choose from that's still brand new, that isn't a year old. Um, but without fragmenting the operating operating system the way that that Android has, that's really my, been my big turnoff for Android. Is um, you know the uh, you know I forget what the number is and what it's up to by now, but the literally thousands of different configurations right. that an app designer has to design for, you, you just can't unless you've got the cool phone, the phone that's got you know at that point twenty percent of the market share that people are designing new apps for. You go into the app store and here's this app. Out of luck, doesn't work with my phone. Yeah. Oh, it's not ice cream sandwich or it's not jelly bean. And right. you know, that's a that's obviously a problem for developers because they're you know, they've now got to if they've got a cool app, they've got to build it across, you know, five or six different versions um, to ensure that their user base is gonna have access to it. And uh, something about that model just I, I don't think is sustainable. No, my prediction is that, that the the way that um, that Android will survive will be 
in a pure vanilla Google phone, Nexus phone um, style, and in curated um, kind of divisions, the split-offs, the, the, the Fire, the Amazon, you know, the Amazon Fire curated sub substore that where at least somebody's doing some controlling to make sure that that app store experience isn't incredibly frustrating. Yeah, they're I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to um, channel their ecosystem into a more controlled environment if they're going to if they're going to actually survive and be able to, you know, generate some money from it because you know they're they're basically taking an, the opposite model of of Apple which was to lock it down to start with and then chart down that path and I think that somehow Android's going to have to funnel a little bit more control and otherwise you're going to lose you know there's going to be a point where you're going to lose users based mm-hmm. on non-operability or lack of interoperability between you know devices softwares you know apps the whole nine so what's your your ideal hardware software app store combination what does that look like for you in terms of brand no like in terms of like pie in the sky you know if if i was to design my own smartphone operating system and my how would the the interaction as like hardware iteration and software iteration how would that look for you i would love to be able to pick a device that is that's agnostic to software mm-hmm. so i pick my device first and then i decide the software that i run, want to run on it um and you can do that obviously today. You can, you know, you can obviously reflash, um, you know, phones with different operating systems. But, you know, to have that be something that is out of the box that gives me the power to choose. Um, you know, I happen to be a Windows Phone user. I happen to be the, you know, the one of, you know, few. Um, but I, I happen to love the experience on the phone because it's all the things that I need, and none of the bloatware or excess that I don't. And you know, I happen to I have a, a Lumia 900 at the moment, but I'd love to I'd love to have access to or, or get my hands on a 920. Um, you know, and I just happen to like the Microsoft operating system. But you know, there's there's rumors that um, you know Linux is having their own phone OS coming out, and you know some of those things that um, you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to try try them out and see you know how one fits over over another for you. I think for me, my um, my ideal would be similar to. I mean, if you add in the way that carriers treat phones, I think that's another big problem. Right. I would love to be able to just buy my hardware and have that be completely separate from my you know exactly. my phone subscription. So I buy my data and voice plan. You give me a SIM card. I can put it into whatever device I have. You know. We could be like Korea and have dual SIM phones right. so that I could have two coverage from both companies. That would be awesome. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, the, subs- the subsidized issue with people expecting to get a, home- a-, a $1,000 phone for 100 bucks that, of course, would have to change. But I'd love to have the option. Yeah, I think the carrier model, it's, they should think about, and, and it's obviously, it would be a huge paradigm shift and a huge, huge business shift. But, you know... The whole like cable, you know, buying cable and all of that—it's all—it's an all-or-nothing experience. I don't think that the techno—it's beneficial for the technology market. And right. you know, if I was able to buy my phone agnostic of the OS, agnostic of the carrier, and then layer on the things that I wanted, 
you know, to me, that gives me the power of choice. Mm-hmm. Now, what that does on the other end of the spectrum is the people who are not as familiar with hardware, phone operating systems, ecosystems, you know, carrier coverage in general, as well as features of amongst all of those things. Um, you know, it obviously makes it that much more difficult for them. But I think if you package, I think if you package different levels, you know, you can you can essentially satisfy any audience that's out there because the audience is getting savvier mm-hmm. you know my parents carry smartphones my mom has an android phone your mom has a has an apple device you know and so it there's going to be a point where they're going to outgrow you know the the place that they're at in terms of their ability to consume and and uh, manipulate their technology yeah i mean i would really like to see um there more a little more choice I like the idea of there being a curated experience, a, a safe place where I can send my parents to say, you know, anything yeah. you download from here is awesome. Right. But I would also love to be able to download an app that would open up uh, a side-loading app store where I could download stuff from wherever. Tell me, you know, hey, if you screw up your phone, you have to fix it. I'm fine with that. But but don't make me jailbreak it. Make right. it a little bit easier than that. And, yeah. And, and let me rely on that to be a feature that that continues throughout the updates where that every time there's a new phone update i don't have to wait for someone to hack the software hope that it works hope that there's no viruses involved um you know and i know that carriers there are features that that would open the door for for carriers like tethering and stuff like that and you know that's a whole nother rant Mm -hmm. on like just give me my data charge me for my usage let me decide what i do with my data exactly and quit quit being such a pig about you know, not deciding, you know, okay, well, if your text messaging costs this much per megabyte, if you're, you know, that's ridiculous. I pay you to be my carrier, not my policeman. Right. Give me my data. Charge me for my use. Don't give me an unlimited plan. Charge me for my use. Charge me just like you do for water and electricity. Peak time price, off time price. You know, sell it in a package. If I go over, charge me a per unit. And let's just do it that way. Yeah. Incentivize me to, to use technology that suits my behavior or if i need to change a piece of it for access based on you know financials then you know that's my prerogative but right now it's just this this wide casted net that you know i don't think is it's benefiting a broader base but you know when when you're starting to to delineate between the types of tech users that are beginning to emerge you know i don't think it's suiting everyone and you know the nice part about apple is that like for my dad you know, he has a completely safe ecosystem that he can he can live within, and it always works. It always operates. But you know, for someone like me, that becomes very frustrating because some of the things that I would like to do with my iPad, for instance, you know, I have to jailbreak, which completely um, you know makes me vulnerable to to things that, quite honestly, I shouldn't have to be uh, by virtue of of doing that. So it's. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's all about choice, and I think as we as we begin to refine our appetite for technology and for how we're consuming, you know, different aspects of it, from you know the device that you hold in your hand to the experience that you get with the carriers to the choice that you have on on hardware and devices, um, you know, we're gonna I think we're gonna see a dramatic shift, or I hope we see a shift in the next five years mm-hmm. that uh, that gives people a little more power in that choice. Well, that took a little bit longer than I had hoped, so we've got almost like 25 minutes worth of content here. Um, 
So let's uh, let's kind of close. One of the one of the things that I'd like to do um, is have kind of segments, stuff that you guys can count on from us. Yeah. That'll be kind of signature and and fun. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that that Aaron and I always talk about is how users could be better users for for us. You know, from our <laughs> point of view, how they can make our lives easier. And and you know, really, if you're making your IT guys life easier, you're making your own life easier. Um, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a big fan of people being self-sufficient. Um, you know, I like to know how to do everything. If well, and the fact is, is that, you know, the technology that people have in front of them today, the vast majority of people are now able to, to, to operate it at a high level, a mm-hmm. significantly high level. And at that point, it becomes their willingness to decide, do I want to try do I want to make some sort of effort to try and fix, you know, whatever's going on or, you know, make better whatever my, you know, whatever like my work stream is or, you know, insert whatever that piece would be. So, so even though it's been, it's been, you know, put out there before, th- being an IT guy is really as much of mindset as it is um, an actual skill. Some people seem to think that we know everything about every piece of technology and that's just plainly not true it's not possible to know yeah we we try we try to keep up with whatever's brand new and there are you know a lot of minutiae that you learn in a specific environment where you see something happen over and over again and you you memorize a complex set of of actions to fix a solution but for the majority of the time we either know it or we know how to find the answer and right. really being good at technology is, is is two parts. Number one, being able to say to yourself, I don't know how, I don't know what the problem is, I don't know how this works, but I am willing to try and look for an answer. Uh, I work with my dad all the time. He is uh, he is someone who wants to know more about technology. He wants to be able to do things on his own. Um, but I'm his crutch, and I'm available 24-7 via my phone. <laughs> and so, you for know... Free. For free, exactly. There's there's no reason not to call, right? Because um, I'll always fix his stuff. But you know, I had a conversation with him the other day about setting up a router that I pre-programmed, and really, all he had to do was try. So that's that's how we all got started. That's how we learned. Is we were at home. We were 12 years old. We broke the computer, or we wanted to play a video game, or that's we right. wanted something. And there wasn't anybody else in the house that knew how to make it work. What's the registry? Yeah, exactly. Find out real quick. Uh, I need more room for my video games. Oh, no, I deleted the registry. How do I get that back? <laughs> you know, and, and so the, oh, crap, mom will be home in two hours. How do I fix this? Thanks to the Internet. Thank you, the, Internet. Every answer is there. Yeah. There really is, is nothing you can't find out if you know how to look. The distinction is what Tony's getting at is critical thinking skills. And your willingness to apply them, and so, and so, you know, there's almost there's almost no reason that you couldn't ultimately find an answer for a problem that you're having. I mean, really, really, Google has changed the world in my mind, um, because you, by the use of natural language, and yeah, there's a little bit of Google foo, a little bit of skill to it to know how you know things are searched for. Um, and how to read a, the headline of an article or of a website and, and see if it's what you want. But all of that can be learned. You know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a cognitive skill. It's a secondary skill. It's, it's something that, you know, you don't have to be a genius to learn how to do, but it takes some practice. And so at first, 
Are you going to be slow at it? Of course. Is it going to take you way longer to figure out the problem than it would you know, someone who's experienced? Yes. But the, the benefit of that you know, is you get to know how to do it. And you understand or will start to understand the other implications that are impacting your, your technical experience. So, you know, if my internet is slow, you can think of at least a half a dozen things that would possibly impact why your internet's slow. Whereas, you know, a lot of people will just default to, I have a virus or, you know, something like that and, and only hone in on one particular symptom and they end up treating a symptom and not a true cause. So you have to have an open mind that you, whatever you think is the problem is going to be probably wrong the first few times. Um, and, you know, if, if after a couple of years of doing this, you probably still won't be an expert at, at technology, but another skill that will come alongside of that is the ability to talk to people who are in a much more effective way. Right. The people who can solve some of their own small problems can talk to Aaron and I in a way that makes us much more receptive and much more able to help them with their problems. Yeah, there's a lot less discovery that we have to do in order to fix a fix an issue because, you know, troubleshooting is all about going to the root cause and that root cause can be one of dozens of things in many cases and so the faster we get to that is the faster that person is back to their normal everyday life. And that's really been the trick. One thing you'll notice is that I am the king of analogies. That is where my crown lies. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing that I just thought of that applies to this is, you know, if, if you have a computer, it's like a sick person going to the emergency room. If you are uh, a backcountry yokel of technology and you walk in, you're like, my belly hurts. I don't know what's wrong. Then, you know, the doctor has to do a lot more work to get you to the surgeon to get you ready to fix the problem. But if you come in and you say, you know, I've had a headache for the last three days. My blood pressure has been high. Here's a list of medicines I've taken. Here's my, my pre-existing conditions that I have. The nurse is going to talk to you and say, okay, this person obviously is sick. <laughs> They're not pretending. They didn't just forget to turn something on. You know, they, they know that there's an actual problem. And not only am I encouraged by that and do I want to help that person out, but, you know, the communication that goes on is much more effective, and I don't feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. My belly hurts. My belly hurts. <laughs> oh, I think I slipped on something. So, well, that is the, the end of our, of our voyage, our uh, first podcast, our first attempt at podcasting. So we want to thank the tens of people. Um, probably most of which or the we, ones of people the ones of people that's I was guess I'm being a little optimistic yeah. with a lot of them of have probably fallen off at this point yeah so if you're still listening we want to thank you um, thanks mom because you're probably the only one still listening oh true thanks mom maybe um, our wives maybe our wives perhaps maybe. no I don't think no. so <laughs> no um, but if if, uh, if you enjoyed our podcast let us know you can contact us through social media channels I'm at Tony Onofrio it's O-N-O-F-R-I-O and I am at A.M. Petras on Twitter, A-M-P-E-T-R-A-S. And if you think that our knowledge of technology um, could, could benefit your business in any way, if you're a business owner, um, feel free to take a look at our website, airfoilgroup.com. And better yet, if you want to be a guest on our podcast, the more the merrier. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, everyone. We appreciate it. Okay. Do you want to high five? High five.